you heard us talk about Vacation Village plenty before. We like showing it off, and the staff there give lots of tours all the time. Seriously, all the time. Uh, you know, I'm not even sure what the staff at the Richard A. Hanlon Correctional Facility did before there was a village. Well, the tours typically, typically lead to more awareness of the great things going on there and often lead to business owners changing their minds about hiring prolies once they see the work that goes on in the village. But what's not as typical is that the tours lead to a whole new program that could lead to even more prisoners finding themselves able to land a well-paying job when they're released. But that's exactly what happened in 2016. That's right, Chris. That's when a woman named Phyllis Loudermill toured the village and amongst the whir of the scroll saws in the building trade section and the sparks flying in the welding shop, there was one thing she just couldn't help but notice. Each prisoner had six numbers stenciled on their shirts and coats. So Loudermill, who's the founder of a construction and development company called Herco, asked what the numbers meant. She was told the numbers were used to help identify inmates. This gave her an idea. And that idea brings us to the topic of today's podcast. What if prisoners could trade the number connected with their incarceration to one connected with employment? I thought, wouldn't it be awesome if we could trade places? If I could take one number that you have and trade it into a village where we have an existing and then you would become a laborer or pre-apprentice. So that is how trading places got their name. Her idea, the one that came from the Sparks during her tour of Vocational Village, just needed a name. Today on Field Days, we're going to tell you more about Phyllis's idea, how the Michigan Department of Corrections is helping to make it a reality, and we'll tell you the name she gave the program. Okay, Chris, you need a hint? I want you to think Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your two-time PACE award-winning hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. So the goal of this new initiative that Phyllis came up with is to help give proling prisoners in the building trades an additional avenue for, for access to well-paying jobs and a network of support in the community. For Phyllis's idea to work, she needed partners. So her company now partners with us here at the MDOC the Laborers Local 1191, and the U.S. Department of Labor. So you ask, what does the initiative do? Or does it, how does it actually work? Well, you remember that this all started from a tour of our vocational village where prisoners spend their day learning and working in specialized trades. Right, like building trades, plumbing, electrical, welding, CNC machining, and auto mechanics. Exactly. These guys are already doing all this work and getting really, really good at it. But when they parole, if they wanted to get into the union, they had to start all over again, learning those basics that they've already been taught, and even in some cases, already have national certifications in. So now with this new program that Phyllis concocted, the prisoners can take the time that they've spent learning their trade and apply it to the time they need to put in in order to receive their journeyman's card. This is where the name comes in, Chris. Remember what Phyllis said earlier, the prisoners are trading the number on the back of their shirts for a number on their journeyman's card. Hence the name. Trading Places. Trading Places? You were thinking of the movie, weren't you? You mean that Eddie Murphy vehicle from the early 80s? No, n- not, not at all, not at all. Sure. Okay, so back to the real Trading Places. This is how it works. The department's skilled trades curriculum in carpentry, electrical, and plumbing allows the prisoners to earn at least 600 credit hours towards the 4,000 that they'll need to qualify for their journeyman's card. In Herco serves as the employer of record to certify the hours as meeting the laborers union standards 
as they become a full apprentice with the union. The union can, can then help connect prisoners with jobs following release and provide support and benefits. And it's going well so far. About 35 prisoners in the building trades at the Hanlon Prison, where we have the vocational village, and about 30 prisoners at Bellamy Creek Correctional Facility across the street in Ionia have begun earning credit hours toward their journeyman's card, and they started that on April 1st. So we're expecting to expand this to the Parnell Correctional Facility in Jackson, which is home to the department's newest vocational village, which will be completely online later this year. And to kick this whole thing off, we did what we do best at the Vocational Village, Chris. We took a tour with Phyllis, the Laborers Union, our director, Heidi Washington, and others. But this time wasn't just a tour. We also brought all the prisoners in the, pro- in the program into the auditorium and explained it to them. Right, because it really helps to sink in with the prisoners if they can hear from others, not just us, about how this program can actually benefit them. So we recorded the presentations that Director Washington and the others gave that day. So if they sound a little different, that's why. Michael Aaron is the business manager of Labor's Local 1191. He was excited about the possibilities the initiative offered. The talent that I see in this place is tremendous. And we want to tap in to that talent to offer you opportunity. And that opportunity comes with some sacrifice. And that sacrifice could, could mean the difference in your life. Just about everyone who has been on a tour of the vocational village comes away saying something similar. When Phyllis spoke to the prisoners, she stressed that their participation in the initiative connected them to a statewide network of support that also included social service groups in addition to the union. We're going to work 200%, and I want you to give the same 200%. And the laborers, we are the best training ground in the world, so you're going to get everything that you deserve and need. When Director Washington addresses the population, she explained this initiative is the first of its kind for the MDOC. We are all working together to make a positive change, and that includes everybody in this room. And so today, to be here um, with new partners and new friends is really a great feeling. It's a wonderful opportunity um, for all of us, but for you in particular, because that's what this is about. It's about um, providing opportunities for you to earn and to have to, to help you become um, successful, contributing, tax-paying members of society. And so the work you're doing now is going to count towards becoming a full apprentice in the state of Michigan with the Laborers Union. And that is a credential that you can um, be proud of, that you can find good, gainful, constant employment, and that you can support yourself and your families on. Well, that was our story on the Trading Places program. I hope you enjoyed learning about it, and if you wanted more information, you can uh, check out the newsletter as well. And before we go, we wanted to catch you up on the rest of the week's news. And so I know uh, Greg's got a couple of things that happened in FOA in the past week that we wanted to definitely let everybody know about. And and for some of these things, we'll have uh, links up on on Facebook and Twitter as well if you want to learn even more about them and hopefully share them with your your friends and colleagues. You know, Chris, first we have to say, though, it's kind of a sad... Uh, last week was, was a sad day for North Carolina, and our entire correctional family uh, mourns the loss of a um, corrections professional over in North Carolina, Sergeant Megan Callahan, who was killed by a prisoner um, last week. So our thoughts and prayers are with them over in North Carolina and our correctional family. And I know our honor guard is you know put in to attend that funeral and be part of that. So uh, hopefully we can be part of that event. That's it's unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, on a uh, on a brighter note, um, that we you know we did get some some great things going on last week with some of our staff. One being, did you see that that Fox Seventeen news story in Grand Rapids last week about? Uh, what was it? it? Was a softball team? It was a girls' softball team who got all their equipment stolen? Did you, did you see that? Yeah, that was a really, really cool story, and how great of our staff to step up, and I think especially one person in that office in particular that really uh, stepped up and uh, really did the MDOC proud. Yeah. So here's so here's how it went. Um, the story was about a softball league uh, where all the softball equipment was was stolen, and they were going to have to cancel the team because they needed to replace five hundred dollars worth of equipment, and. You know, that's, that's sad that somebody stole all the equipment. So this this team was going to have to, you know, get rid of their whole team um, because they'd have the money to replace all the equipment. So one of our staff, a Muskegon Pro Supervisor by the name of Janelle Freeman, saw this, was touched, and she led an effort to raise money within the, the Muskegon Pro office. And I'm happy to say that they raised that $500 in one day, which is amazing. Very so cool. the, the league director is going to come. I'm, I'm sure this has happened by now. To the office and receive the donation so they can continue to play softball i mean that's what a great story by just one of our staff going above and beyond seeing a news story you know being touched by the story and then having our staff in one day raise all that money uh and take care of and take care of that and take care of that team that's a what an awesome story yeah, it really shows you how deeply ingrained our staffs are in the communities that they serve. They don't just work with offenders, but they're totally involved in their communities and are, are a real big part of us. So that's really great to see and to be recognized for it. So we have one more story, and it, it kind of uh, it, th- th- this story is very touching because it speaks to something that we're going to talk about here on an upcoming podcast, hopefully soon, if we can make all the arrangements. But we're, we're going to do a podcast on human trafficking, and this kind of plays into um, why we're going to do this and, and why, we're, why we're highlighting it, why the department is taking an interest in human trafficking, because it's becoming an issue. It's, it's been an issue. Um, you know, people don't think about this all the time they think about when they think about crime. But this is a very large issue that's happening to a lot of people across the nation. And last week, actually, Holly uh, Astapa, who was going to receive a Professional Excellence Award next week at the, at the Employee Appreciation Banquet, Agent uh, Astapa discovered that one of her probationers was being uh, trafficked in the Detroit area. She had credible information that this was happening, and she got information from the victim's family. So she passed this up to her chain of command and uh, ultimately got to Brock Dietrich, who's the region manager over there, who told her to reach out to another parole agent who is leading the way in human trafficking for the department. Her name is Lenny Alcorn, and she's in, in the Monroe Parole Office. And Lenny quickly passed this information on to her team because she's on, she's on a task force in a group that deals with this. And she asked for a favor and to expedite our efforts to locate this young victim. Uh, you know, Lenny actually also reached out to some of our people on the Epscotty Recovery Unit, which we've heard from, uh, Lieutenant Levins. And of course, Lieutenant Levins and his crew jumped into action, uh, quickly got a team together of U.S. Marshals and, and used some resources in the Detroit area. And they were able to locate this victim, which is absolutely amazing that within a short period of time, this information was passed on to one of our uh, agents who was an expert in this area, and the ARU and their and their resources were able to find her. Um, you know, it just speaks again to you, what you said. You know, we we don't think of what we do as just managing a caseload. What we do is help human beings become successful, and um, and this just speaks to kind of the level of thoughtfulness and the level of um, professionalism that our agents have out there when they just take a, a small chunk of information 
and it turns into this and uh, you know we we just potentially save somebody's life so congrats um, and kudos to everybody involved in this in this incident uh, you really went above and beyond and uh, we really appreciate you and the effort you put into the stuff we really do yeah well yeah it was real just a really great story just another example of, of what goes on uh, every day at, at the MDOC that uh, sometimes doesn't get talked about but this podcast is a way to help push that out there and to let other folks know in the department that you know their colleagues uh, across the state are doing really remarkable things well Chris I know we talked about the budget last uh, on the last podcast is there an update to that well, last week, um, the, the Senate budget proposal that was just in the subcommittee passed out of the full Senate Appropriations Committee. And so we'll keep you updated as this progresses through. It gets kind of complicated now. It's got to go back to the House, and the Senate are going to go back and forth with theirs, and then eventually it'll get to a conference committee. So it gets kind of complicated. But um, for you, for, for, our, for our staff and for our listeners to know, that the big takeaway is that this is a $66 million cut to our budget. It's not... A $40 million cut that's being reported in the news uh, and being framed by by the Senate in that way. It's really a $66 million cut that is um, unwise, uh, not well thought out at all, um, and we have serious reservations about it. It would cause deep cuts to our staff. Uh, it would cause uh, possible programs to end. Uh, it funds programs that we don't that we don't like that we don't need. Um, and it gets rid of some of the programs that are really working, uh, especially in the city of Detroit. And so, you know, we have a lot of issues with that and some of the lawmakers that have voted for some of these bills uh, so far as they've gone through the process. Another big piece of what's in the, in the budget that we have, a, or what's not in the budget that we have a problem with, is one of the new officer academies. And that was about $4 million for uh, another class of about 170 officers. And the key thing to remember is that this was not a... Uh, this isn't money to f- to hire brand new officers or to add staff. It's simply to keep at the level that we're currently at. We're losing 60 officers every single month to retirements and attrition and promotions. And so this is just to keep afloat at the numbers we're at. And already, pretty much every one of our facilities has officer vacancies currently. And so if we don't get this money for for this, we're gonna it's gonna put not only our staffs and da- our staff members in danger, their lives in danger, it's going to put the community at risk and the prisoners there because we're going to have people that are going to be overworked, they're going to be tired, they're going to be working a lot of overtime, it's going to cost the state even more money. So we don't want to see this short-sighted approach. We want to take a long-term look at what we're doing, and it gets really dangerous when we start playing around with staffing levels. And so we really want the Senate, and hopefully uh, the legislature will be convinced to come around and to provide this level of funding. It's not new officers. It's not having extra additional staff. It's just keeping us at even at the point that we're at right now. So that's a really big piece. And for those of you who are for those of you who are worried about the budget and have concerns about it, we would really encourage you to contact Senator Prost's office and let him know what issues you have with the budget. I would also encourage you to reach out to your individual lawmakers, whether they be in the House or in the Senate. If you don't know who those people are or if you uh, want to find out, you can let us know and we can direct you. We'll put up some links and we'll be sending out some information soon about how you can do that and you can contact the right people and make your voice heard. You know, We have 14,000 people in this department we're spread out across every county. We have prisons uh, in, in you know a couple dozen counties, and so we have a lot of a lot of uh, things at stake, and we have a, we have a, a big microphone uh, to speak with, and so we really need to make sure our voices are heard, uh, and that we make clear that this budget needs to be about public safety and not about anything else. And so, 
that's the that's the message that we want to continue to push forward and making sure that people know that we are not comfortable with this budget. It's not safe and it's not good for the taxpayers and it's not good for the state of Michigan or for the department. Well, thank you, Chris, for always keeping everybody up to date on what's happening in the in the, in the budget arena. You know, this is this is important stuff to us. This has um, drastic effects on the business that we do and and how well we can do it. So. Um, you know, we are in the business of offender success, as the director will tell you, and she'll say offender success equals long-term public safety, and how we do that is through, you know, proven programs to reduce people's risk, and that's, uh, that's important, and that speaks to, uh, you know, the ports of this budget and hopefully uh, working all the details out in this budget. So thanks for sharing, Chris, and uh, we look forward to seeing how that the outcome of that. Yeah, and, and one of the programs that you, you you talked about programming, and one one more cool story when we talked about you know the west side of the state earlier, but another really cool program from the west side in Ionia, uh, and we'll have the link up on Twitter and Facebook uh, by the time you listen to this. But another <clears throat> another great story out of uh, the Hanlon facility where we have the vocational village, where they also have the Calvin College um, satellite campus. And a few days ago, they brought um, some, I believe, some alumni from Calvin, and they played a basketball game against some of the prisoners uh, that are in the in the program there at MTU. And so they got to play a basketball game, but they also got a chance to tell their story about the importance and why we have the Calvin College program. Uh, at MTU, why we have the village there. So uh, you hear from from some folks from Calvin, you hear from uh, Warden Burton. So just another great positive story that was in in the local uh, media uh, there in Grand Rapids uh, last week. And so we encourage you to look at that, share it, uh, and just see that there's, it's not always negative stuff that you see about our department anymore on TV or in the newspaper. There's some really positive stuff that you can be proud of and that you can share and say, this is where I work. This is, these are the people that I work with that are doing really positive things. And so that's, you know, that's why it's so important to, uh, to share this and to tell our story. And also last week, it was Take Your Son and Daughter to Work Day. So there was you know, several dozen uh, kids that, got to bring, uh, that, that came with their parents uh, to Central Office, and we got to see all sorts of fun stuff. And my son Brandon came for the first time and got to do some cool stuff around the office, and he wanted to tell everybody about it. I worked at Dad's work. I'm going to go to the Capitol and I'm going to go to the journalism office. And lastly, before we go, we wanted to make sure that we bring back Holly Kramer, who's going to tell us about the a really another great story uh, that was in the newsletter. And she, so she's going to tell us about a really great story out of Macomb County uh, that you may have heard about already, but um, we'll have Holly tell it and explain about and what yet another thing great thing that our parolees uh, have done out in the community. Ren Elko was fishing with a friend and her daughter on the shore of the Clayton River earlier this month when he heard a commotion and splashing in the water. At first, the Macomb County parolee said he thought someone was just playing around. Then he saw the head of a young boy dip under the water. We're about, I don't know, 100 feet away or so and uh, heard something, you know, like you know, a commotion or whatever, and I, I got up and I started looking, and I seen three people in the water, and I just started running, and Star, my friend's daughter, was right behind me, and uh, once I got close, you know, I kind of, I thought it was a joke, you know, like, you know, somebody just playing around, but then I got up there, and once I got up there, I seen the kid go underwater, you know, and he was gone. So I, I was, I just, you know, that's where I got to go. You know, I got to go there. 
So I just, I leapt in, you know, my phone was in my pocket, everything was in my pocket. You know, I just, I jumped in the water. And um, I just, I started reaching out in front of me, you know, and I grabbed a kid. I felt him, and, you know, I just, because I, I don't know how to swim, but I know kick, you know, so I started kicking. Elko was able to save the boy. Another man, a friend of the boy's mother, drowned when he also tried to rescue the toddler. After hearing about what Elko did to save the boy's life, the Macomb County Parole Office and Macomb County Sheriff's Office recognized him for his actions. He was presented with the certificate and applauded for preventing the boy from drowning. I don't know how many people who not knowing how to swim themselves but actually just jumped into water because you saw someone in distress and need. But because you did, we have a, a three-year-old who's alive today and a mother that's very grateful. So thank you. We appreciate that. For more on this story, check out the April edition of the Corrections Connection newsletter. All right, as always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.